preached are totally different than my message. <laughs> okay, I want to read from Ephesians 5, uh, chapter or verse 8 through 14. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of these things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore, he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. So as Christians, we, as I see in this, that we become different, not in a physical way, but we come different because the Lord's wisdom guides us and I, I look at, around me today at, at things going on in this country, and boy, there's some people out there in the dark, that's for sure. And uh, things that are going on are, you know, people need wisdom, they need light, but they're not, they're not looking in the right place for it. And that would be with the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you so much for this beautiful, glorious day that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, for the wonderful wonderful blessings that you bestow upon us. We thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's here today. And we pray, Lord, that we may, may glean from this message and that we might grow in, in the wisdom that you provide for us, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Amen. stand this morning we're going to start a little different this morning and we weren't going to sing this song but this morning when I was getting ready I thought no we are going to sing that song we're just not going to sing it with music this morning so I want us to open service this morning kind of just singing a chorus as a prayer for our worship service this morning so we're just going to lift our voices up and we're just going to sing here I am to worship acapella this morning to start the service here I am to worship here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Let's say that one more time. And here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to
you'll stand together, we're going to sing at the cross before our message. Heavenly Father, God, thank you so much for allowing us to come into your house and worship this morning, God. Lord, thank you um, for just a beautiful day and for allowing us to see your light, um, not only shine brightly outside, but allowing your light to shine through um, people too, God. Lord, none of us are worthy and all of us fall short of your glory, God, yet you still want to use us um, to shine your light to others, God. So, Lord, this morning, may we um, come unto Jesus to rest in his love, God, and know that he is enough, and we will never be enough, but with him we are, God, and that you long to use each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you for the price that was paid at Calvary and the precious gift of salvation, and if there's anyone who's not accepted that gift, we pray that today will be their day of salvation, God. Lord, be with us and continue to prepare our hearts to take communion this morning, God, and just be with us and open our eyes and our ears as we dive into your word this morning. Be with our children's workers and children's church and nursery. We love you and praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Children are going to Children's Church with Miss Vaughn in the back. Okay, good morning. As our children leave, please turn to John chapter 9. John chapter 9. I want to thank Larry for the reading. This sermon will be a little different 
Uh, but the same themes remain, that God is light, in Him is no darkness, and Christ, His Son, is the light of the world. So throughout John's Gospel, you've got this great contrast in themes between darkness and light. Darkness and light. Jesus is the light of the world, and the light has shined in the darkness. And the darkness does not overcome it, and the darkness cannot comprehend it. So with that in mind, throughout the Gospel of John, you have this, this battle between light and darkness, and how all of that unfolds in the life of Jesus. So last week, we looked at this sixth sign in John's Gospel, and we made three particular points related to the aspect of his light. Number one, his light is necessary. Without his light, we remain like the blind man who was born blind, natural at birth, without the light of Christ to illuminate us and to give us life, uh, we remain in darkness and in death. So that was the necessity of his light. Then we saw the purpose. The purpose of light was to lead to worship and to see Jesus for who he was and is. And then we looked at the radiance of his light, the effect of his light. And so we talked a good bit about those three points last week. And so I've got two more today. And that's the pathway of his light and the permanence of his light. So a lot that I'll say this morning is a continuation of what we looked at last week. So to get us into the Bible, into some text, I want to read John 8, 12 first. Okay, because all that's in John 9 with this sixth sign is a demonstration of what Jesus says in John 8, 12. So let's go there first, and then we will be back in chapter 9. And I'm not going to read the whole narrative today, but I'm going to begin with verse 24 in chapter 9 and make our, make our points from there. So reminding us again in John 8, 12, it says, Jesus spoke to them, saying... I am, I am the light of the world. I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk, walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So who he is? The light of the world. What he calls us to do? To follow him. And as we follow Jesus... We're walking in the light that he has and that he is. So in John chapter 9, Jesus performs this very gracious and powerful miracle. He sees a young man who's been blind from birth. He initiates this contact. He does not leave this man in his condition. But Jesus moves towards him and, and tells him what to do. And in moving toward the man, Jesus declares again that he is the light of the world. And so he tells the man, after he picks up some clay, some dirt, and he rubs it in his eyes, he says, go wash in the pool that is called scent. So the man obeys Jesus in response to the light that he's given. And... We didn't make this connection last week, but, but when God made man, he created us from what? The, the, the dirt. We're dusty, right? 
And, and, and so some of the commentators, and I'm kind of along this same line, that, that what I think Jesus is doing here, if we had to say, uh, and, and we'll never know for sure, this is kind of speculation, is that the, the, the picking up of the dirt and the rubbing it in his eyes, he is making this blind man a new creation. So working from dirt and creating life, which is where all of us originated from, you see that demonstrated in this sixth sign in the miracle of the healing of the blind man. So he goes and he washes in the pool called the scent. We too receive light when we by faith go and wash in the person who is the sent one, that is Jesus. So I'm giving you context Repeated for some of you. Now let's pick up in verse 24. Hey, the enemies of Christ interrogate this guy. This miracle has happened, but they put this guy on trial because darkness hates the light. By nature, darkness hates the light. So their agenda is to destroy Christ because his light is pure and it's holy and it reveals their sinfulness and the fact that they are on the wrong path, the path of darkness, in their relationship with God themselves. So we pick up in verse 24 where they come again the second time and interrogate this young guy who has been healed. All right, so let's follow this. Verse 24 of John 9. So a second time... They called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Hey, fess up, all right? They're not really saying, Give glory to God. They're saying, Hey, tell the truth. Give glory to God. We know that this man, Jesus, is a sinner. And he therefore answered, He said, Well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that whereas I was blind, now I see. And we just sang that from John Newton's lyrics as this former slave trader was, was, was bound by sin and selfishness and degrading passions and he was transformed by the grace of God. John Newton said, this, that's what happened to me spiritually. I was blind and now I see. So then they said to him in verse 26, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And he answered and said, I told you already. You didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You do not want to become his disciples too, do you? Now, do you know sarcasm when you hear it? (laughs) That's sarcasm. Because the answer is a flat no. They have no interest in becoming disciples of Jesus. In fact, Their agenda is the exact opposite because they are walking in darkness and they cannot see the light of God in Christ. But I love his question because it calls to question the ultimate question, are we disciples of Jesus or are we not? So this makes them angry. Of course, because he's called their bluff. Or not their bluff, but he's called their true condition. So they reviled him and they said, well, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. There's law, Moses, and there's grace, Christ. John 1 already went through this. 
Verse 29, we know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he is from. And the man said to him, well, here's a good question, or here's an amazing thing. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. I said last week, I love this guy. Verse 31, we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he hears it. Since the beginning of time, it's never been heard that anyone could open the eyes of a, of, of a person born blind. And throughout the Old Testament, the Messiah, one of the works that he would be identified by is the opening of the eyes of the blind. Why? Because no human can do that. Only God can do that. So, verse 33, I think, is where I'm at. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. So they answered and they said to him, You were born entirely in sins and you're teaching us. And so they put him out. They kick him out of the synagogue. They, they try to snuff out the light, okay, to stay with our theme. So when Jesus heard that they had put him out, finding him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And he answered and he said, Who is he, Lord, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and he is the one who is talking with you. Isn't that amazing? Jesus gave him eyes to see the Son of Man, eyes to see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He said, Lord, I believe. There's his confession. He worshiped him. He falls down. Proskuneo, in humility and in gratitude, he, he fulfills the purpose of light and sight. Notice what Jesus then expands on in verse 39 as he explains the deeper meaning of the sign of opening the eyes of the man born blind. For judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And that those who see may become blind. Those of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things. And they said to him, we're not blind too, are we? And Jesus said to them, in what is a, 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 a difficult to, for us to grasp statement... If you were blind, you would have no sin. But since you say, quote, we see, your sin remains. Father, thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May we hide your word today in our hearts and receive it into our hearts so that we would not walk in darkness, but rather have the light of life that is Christ. And that is his word. May we come to terms with our own blindness so that we can see the way of forgiveness and begin to see Jesus for the Savior that he is. Prepare our hearts for communion because communion also is a sign of your love for us, the sacrificial death of Jesus, and ultimately, of the light we receive from the bread of life himself. In his name we pray. Amen. So, I want us to think for a few moments about the pathway of his light and then the permanence 
of his light. Now, why would we talk about the pathway of his light? Um, You and I are called to walk in the light as he is in the light. In fact, I really believe that this sign is pointing us toward discipleship, which means to follow Jesus with your life. To take up your cross daily and follow him. To walk in the light of the gospel and of Christ. How do we know that? Because in John 8, 12, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So to follow Jesus is to walk the pathway of his light. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't walk very well in darkness. Injuries can happen in darkness. Bad things happen in darkness. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather be in the light, especially if I'm walking or working. So let's think about the contrast between being in a dark path and not knowing the way and stumbling over things and being in the pathway of his light where he and his word becomes a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So then the guy who's healed asks the question, do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to be his disciple? And of course they do not. They do not want to come to the light because their deeds are evil. And Jesus said, by nature... One of our moral darkness issues is that we don't want the light. So Warren Wearsby says this about us, that naturally speaking, we are morally in darkness. We don't want to come to the light because our deeds are evil. We are also mentally in darkness because the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that we can't see the light of God and of Christ. We're also judicially in darkness because we are under judgment. We have sinned and rebelled against God. And because of that, all of us have darkness looming, right? There's there's judgment and death looming. So we've got moral darkness to deal with. We've got mental darkness to deal with. We've got judicial darkness to deal with. And then the last one is eternal darkness, That the prince of darkness comes from eternal darkness and to be cast away and alienated from God forever would be to dwell in utter darkness forever. So if my issue is blindness and darkness, mentally, morally, judicially, and eternally, I've got a question. Where can I find the light? Yesterday, my wife and I, we tried to have a moving sale. The wind was terrible. For a moment there, I said, why why do we we not have any more traffic? All my signs had blown over. (laughs) And then they blew over again. I'm not going to go into that. But it was chilly, and it went well, but we didn't sell everything, which was my idealistic goal. But I noticed yesterday morning, it was so chilly and so windy, I kept gravitating toward the sunlight. (laughs) It really made that much difference. We have a new remote control for our television that for some reason, Tracy's not here, so I'm going to say, I don't know why 
we bought a solar-powered remote control. But let's just say that that thing becomes very dysfunctional if it is not exposed enough to the light. Do I need to make the connection? That because you and I dwell in darkness and because we also have darkness within, you and I need to dwell constantly as often as we can in the light and walk in the light as He is in the light so that the light of Christ can shine in those dark places and those blind spots in my life and in your life so that we can be changed and transformed. So let me make a few comments about the pathway of His light. His pathway, his light is a pathway of confession. I'm going to make a few subpoints here about walking in the light. And all of these are from other places in the Bible that talk about walking in the light. That 1 John chapter 1 passage that says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that our lives will be affected and changed so much that none of us will ever say there is no darkness in me. God is light and in him is no darkness. But newsflash for you and me. We are not God. As tempting as it is to want to be that. And so John then says that, it, that if you claim to have no sin, that you are lying. And what you need is to walk with him in his light. And as you walk with him, one of the things that the light will do is expose in you the one things that you the, the things you do not want to be exposed, which, which are your sin. And so then he goes and he shares the good news that if we confess our sins as we walk in the light, that he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of all of our sins. So to walk with Jesus and in his light... It, it is a walk of continual repentance and confession. If you are not confessing and repenting, you're not walking in the light because the closer you get to the light, the more your sins and flaws and failures will be exposed. But let's just say from the beginning, that's a good thing. Because if you claim that you see, Jesus says at the end of John 9, your guilt remains. The first thing you've got to do is come to terms with your own blindness and darkness. Man, Wednesday night, Jamie Wynn, he, he spoke to us about his ministry uh, in New Bedford, Massachusetts. And Jamie is such a humble, kind guy, such a Christ-centered guy. I've always looked up to Jamie, even though he's much younger than me. But long story short, one of the things that he shared with us is that when God moved him from Douglasville, Georgia, in his staff position here, and put him on the mission field up there, one of the things that God exposed in his own heart and life was his own self-righteousness. God took him to another place of ministry, humbled him and shined the light of ministry and the gospel in his heart. And, and Jamie confessed to us Wednesday night. Man, I've been self-righteous. The needs and the brokenness and the sinfulness that I've been around as I've walked with Christ through this process has exposed my own self-righteousness. That's just one example. 
it's also a path of transformation. Walking in the light of Christ is intended to change you. That's why Larry read the passage that he read. Is that that passage in Ephesians 5 says that as children of the light, we are to walk in the light. And as we walk in the light, the things that are exposed to the light become light. Does that make sense? My grandmother used to put uh, her apples for her fried apple pies out in the sunlight. And it would have an effect on those apples. It would dry them up. Sunlight has an effect. It's a powerful transforming effect. So if you're walking in the light as he is in the light, not only are you confessing, but you're changing, you're growing. So for me personally, it went something like this. If Ephesians 5 says, as children of the light, we walk in the light. And as you walk in the light, you become light. Then I see my sin. He exposes it. And then he begins to change me. So this is what I did to me. When I walk in his light... I begin to see how proud my heart is, and he begins to move me to humility. When I walk in his light, I see how guilty my heart is, and he begins to move me to confession. When I walk in his light, I begin to see how angry my heart is, and he begins to move me toward forgiveness. When I walk in his light, I begin to see how greedy my heart is, and he, he begins to move me to generosity. When I walk in his light, I see how jealous my heart can be, and he begins to move me to celebrate others rather than to resent them or be jealous of them. When I walk in his light, I learn how desperate my heart is, but he begins to move me toward hopefulness. When I walk in his light, I learn how lonely my heart can be, but then the warmth of his light begins to move me and allow me to feel his presence. When I walk in his light, I see how fearful my heart can be, but then he begins to move me toward faith. And that was a lot. But it basically says as you walk with the light and he exposes who you are, then he begins to change who you are to, to be more like the light that is, that is Christ himself. First John then goes on to say, if you are hating... If you are hating, you are walking in darkness. Light has a purifying and healing and growing effect. The pathway of his life also is a path of righteousness. Righteousness. There is a way that seems right to man, but what? The end is destruction. In other words, on our way, or on our own way, we think we're on the right path, but we're not on the right path. The path of his light is the light of righteousness, which, which means, just put it simple, it's the right way. It's the good way. It's a difficult way. So let me back up to something Jamie said again Wednesday night. I'm just preaching what other people have preached. <laughs> Guess what? There are no new sermons, all right? But I was moved when he talked about the difficulty that his three children had in moving to Massachusetts from their grandparents and their cousins and all that's here. 
that's comfortable, that's Georgia, and that's a completely different world. But one of his children said to him something that I felt like was extremely profound if you're traveling the way of the cross, the way of righteousness. Jamie's child said, this is difficult, but it's good and it's right. And man, if you want a phrase to describe his pathway, it's that one. This is difficult, but it's good and it's right. I can't tell you enough how that statement right there sums up so much of what the Christian life is. This walk, this pathway... It's, it's the way of the cross. We are taking up our cross daily. We are denying ourselves daily. And if we will own it and admit it, that goes against the grain of the very nature of who we are. But this is the only good and right way. Every other path is dark and it will lead to destruction. Eugene Peterson summed up the Christian life like this. It is a long obedience in the same direction. It is the righteous right way. So do not believe the tempter. Do not believe the deceiver that other ways might be right or good. Because all of those ways are ways that through the deception and the traps and the lies, they will plunge you into destruction. So you got to tell yourself this every day. There is no other way. Jesus is the way. And this is difficult, but it's right and it's good. Now, as I preach this morning, my son Sam is running a marathon. Right now in Atlanta. We may be done. I don't know. What time is it? It's about time for me to be done. 26 miles. You don't just show up and run a marathon. I called him last night and says, man, I'm so proud of you. You're, you're attempting something that I would never even attempt to try to do. And, and the most grueling thing about it is the, is the intense training and how difficult it is. But can you imagine how good he's going to feel this afternoon after doing something so, quote, physically, I guess you might say, right and good? can't just show up for this. I asked him last night, I said, what do you, what'd you have for supper? He said, chicken nuggets. I said, chicken nuggets? How in the world are you going to run? A, don't you need steak and potatoes and carbs? Anyway, I'm getting off topic. This is the right way. Let's listen to Jamie's child. And you may have to say this every day. It's righteous. It's Christ. It's good and it's right. But dad, it ain't easy. I think if you own that, then you begin to draw from the strength of his light to be able to endure until the very end. The path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter until the full day. Proverbs 4 says, The path of the righteous is like the sunrise. That gets brighter and brighter until the full day. But the way of the wicked is darkness. And they don't even know what they're stumbling over. The contrast between these two paths 
cannot be emphasized any greater in the destiny or in the difficulty. His pathway is also a path of witness. Witness. Now, one of the things you'll notice about this blind man who was healed is he began to witness. It opened his eyes and it also opened his mouth. He began to testify to who Jesus was. In fact, his testimony was obvious evidence that that they were in the wrong and that Jesus was the right one. And he kept saying it. Look, y'all are dancing around this thing and spinning this thing around. but, But the truth of the matter is, I was blind and now I see. We can only be lights if we're walking in His light. And we are called to be the light. What does that mean? That means to be a witness. Now, oftentimes I've been so daft and confused that, you know, early evening, I'll, I'll still have my headlights off driving, which is very dangerous. And someone will flash their lights at you. They flash their lights at you, not just because when your lights are off, you can't see, but they flash their lights at you because if you don't have your lights on, they can't see you, right? There's two reasons. So we are to walk in the light so that our light can shine, so that others can see the light of the glory of God in our lives and glorify our Father in heaven. If, if I'm not walking in the light, then I can't reflect the light that is Jesus to be a witness to others to point them to the light. So his pathway is a path of witness. And I made a note to myself, man, I am without excuse because I've had a lot of light shined into my life from people who influenced me, pastors who taught me, then I'm extremely culpable and accountable because I've been exposed to a lot of light. And if you'll think about the influences in your life, so, so have you. So have you. Other people are a source of light for us. You and I too have been blessed with this light to be a blessing to others. And then I want to say this about the pathway of his light. It's it's the path of victory. It's the victorious way. In other words, if I'm not following Jesus, and if I'm not following his way and his light and his path, the alternative, as I said earlier, is eternal darkness and destruction. But his path is victory and it's life. So why don't I close by, and you're saying that's a good idea, because we've still got, and let me, let me say that uh, his light is permanent. It cannot be snuffed out. It cannot be put out. And the light that is Christ continues to shine. Sin could not defeat it. Satan could not defeat it. Death could not defeat it. As I mentioned last week, at the end of the Bible, you find that there is a light that outshines the sun. 
and that we no longer need the sun in heaven, but the light of Christ, the Lamb, illumines everything. There's, there's permanent light in eternity in God's glory. But the reason we have communion is so that we will remember and we will reflect that the only way I can walk in the light and dwell in permanent light is that Jesus momentarily had his light and life snuffed out because he became sin. He became darkness. He became unrighteousness. And God the Father pours out his wrath on his Son out of love for us and he is momentarily in utter darkness so that you and I can dwell in everlasting light. And one of the things you might remember about the Lord's Supper, the initial one that he established, there was someone at the table named Judas. And Judas had been exposed to so much light. But there at that meal... When Jesus gave him the morsel to eat and Judas left, fully decided to betray Jesus for silver and gold. The Bible says at that moment about Judas, as Satan entered into him, that it was night. Judas had plunged into an eternal darkness from which he would never recover. How can someone exposed to so much light be plunged into so much darkness? Hey, let me pull back and ask myself as a pastor and preacher. How can someone who's exposed to so much light still wrestle with so much darkness? One Good Friday service across the road the point of that service is to remember the death of Jesus, the seven sayings from the cross of Jesus. And we snuff out a candle after each saying to demonstrate that Jesus, the light of the world, was becoming darkness. That death and sin was clouding that situation. And Miss Lois McCann is so wonderful. And she sets that up every year. And on the cross in that sanctuary, she had put the lights. And then there's a, a, a top candle up there that, that can be difficult to reach. But she gave me a snuffer that was long enough to put out all the lights. So we read a, read a reading, and I put out a light. And we read a reading, and I, I put out a light. And we go through the readings. But that last light, I, I, I just couldn't get it to go out. <laughs> and I'm saying, you're ruining the Good Friday service. The point of the Good Friday service is to put out all the lights. But there was one. He'd go out and come back on. He'd go out and come back on. Well, I'm going to spin it for good. Because God works all things together for good. Because on that first morning, they arrived before sunrise, and it was still dark. And they got there, and they discovered that there is a light and a love that no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever snuff out. And that is the light of the life of the love of God for sinners, the gospel. 
So when you're in darkness, and you're in that cave, and you're discouraged, don't stop moving. You keep pressing toward the light and shine the spotlight on the body and the blood of Jesus. Because you know what the Bible does? It puts the spotlight on the cross and the resurrection. And that's the way, that's the path that will lead you home. And apparently we need reminding of this because he said, as long as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Here's forgiveness. Here's transformation. Here is eternal life. Father, thank you this morning that there is a pathway of light and there is permanent light and there will be no more darkness, no more night. Thank you for the grace of the life of Jesus that death could not ultimately kill the love of the light of God. In his name we pray. Amen. Hey, I'm going to ask our deacons to come forward now, and we will first serve the bread and then the cup. Uh, we invite all believers to participate, to receive uh, the benefits of Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, to receive the light that comes to us through uh, the Lord's Supper. Benji Alexander, would you pray for us, please?
Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me when they did eat. Amen. Thanks be to God for the body of Christ for us.
In the same way, Jesus took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And they did it. As often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. You come as we sing. Please remain standing. A couple of things I want to say before we close. First, I want to call Todd and James up. Uh, they're going to spend a week in Nicaragua starting next Friday. And uh, not only did I want everybody to know that, but I wanted you all to be praying for them. Uh, and we're going to close our time this morning with a prayer that God would use them and bless them greatly with Brother Ronnie Hopkins and all the things that they will be doing there. Uh, you've heard before about the ministry and the work there. And uh, Todd and James are going to have a little over a week. Um, I know they're grateful for the support that the church has already given uh, financially and prayerfully, 
and I know there's some clothes and some things. So James, Todd, we love y'all. We're grateful that you're going, you know, to represent us and to serve the Lord and be a light, you know, in, in Nicaragua. So um, y'all be praying for them. And then a couple of people to pray for. So Selby Nolan, basically hospice has, call, has called the family in. Uh, Selby's 93 years old. Uh, he's at Laurel Glen, and he has been in declining health for some time. So his... His time here on earth is, is, is drawing short and to a close, but what a wonderful light he has been in the life of this church and uh, his family and community. And a lot of you may not know him because he hasn't been able to attend regularly for a while, but y'all pray for Selby's family and, and for Selby. And then Mr. Richard Smith passed away early this morning. Now, Richard's wife is Joanne. They're relatively new here, but Richard was here last Sunday. Uh, and that'll be the last time on earth that I saw him. He was sitting right over there, and on the way out, uh, he had a smile. He was doing real well. And uh, not now, because of Christ, he has a smile, and he's doing really well. But I do want us to pray for Joanne Smith and the Smith family and, uh, in his loss. He died early this morning, and his arrangements will be made uh, later today, and I'll communicate those out to the church as best we can. Uh, to my knowledge, that's all. The parent luncheon, obviously, is right after church. Choir practice at 5. Is there anything else we need to announce? Thank you all so much for being with us. If you're visiting, thank you especially for coming. And uh, I guess I'll keep James and Todd up here <laughs> in case y'all want to come and encourage them. Um, Catherine, will you pray for them before you lead us? Pray that God will use them greatly in Nicaragua. Let's pray this morning. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much just for um, the time we've spent worshiping you this morning, God, and just for the reminder, God, that we are called um, to be the light in a world of darkness, God. Lord, we pray specifically for Todd and James, God, as they're going um, abroad, God, to shine your light, Lord. God, we just pray that you keep them well and keep them safe, God. We pray for their family who will be back home that you will comfort them and give them encouragement, God. And, Lord, that you will just um, place everybody in their path, God, that they need to see, Lord. Give them safe travels um, in the air, Lord, and down the river. And, Lord, just let them be a blessing for you, God. Lord, we um, pray for the people that they'll come in contact with, God. And we pray for Ronnie and his ministry there, God. And we just thank you for the opportunity to allow us to send our church members um, over there, God, and entrusting us um, as a church to build your kingdom there, God, in Nicaragua. And we just lift up that community and all the communities they are going to be serving, God. And Lord, I pray for our parents who are going to the parents' lunch, God, um, that you'll just bless that time of study as well, Lord. And um, we pray for the families that Pastor Neils mentioned, Lord, who are going through loss this morning, God. Lord, we know that you are in every situation. And your will will always be done, God. So, Lord, may we just honor and glorify you through that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Have a great week.